pretty doggone fun, wasn't it? Wow. Bye, kids. I love the. Um, I was just listening to the last two songs, and if you haven't caught this caught this message yet, here it is. Um, Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures. He was dead, buried, and resurrected on the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel in a nutshell. It's the gospel straight from scripture, written by Paul, and that's the gospel that has been moving among us for the last twenty minutes. And if you are in this room and have yet to respond to this truth that that Christ died for you, and it's according to the truth of the Scriptures that He was dead, buried, and resurrected on the third day, so you can confess with your mouth that He is Lord, and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, when that confession is flowing among us, there is a great salvation that is celebrated here. So I just, uh, I don't, I didn't really kind of come prepared to just say this is the gospel, but this is what we have been singing for a while. This is why we gather. This is the hope that is before us. And, um, I hope that you know him. And I hope that there will be the privilege that you have, um, like many of us in this room. I'm listening to that song and just going, you know, God, this is, this was my story. And this is the, the privilege that I have of looking forward. And I cannot wait to stand before you and to hear that voice speak over me. Hey, I know him. I have written his name on the palm of my hand. I have a white stone with his name on it. I have claimed him as my own. Um, he is mine. I, that's going to be a really good day. And I, I'm not sitting in the room going, oh Lord, what's going to happen when I die? There's no mystery for those of us who are in Christ. When we die, the next minute we awake and we have actually only fallen asleep only to wake up to the true reality for which and through which God has created us in Jesus Christ. And I will stand before Him not guilty through zero work of my own, but fully through the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And here's what's reality for me. So since I'm going to do this forever, I'll begin now. I'll start boasting right now in the cross of Jesus Christ. And if I will boast there, what I think I'm pursuing on this earth will die to me. And I will die to the things of this world because I will be boasting only in the cross. And in and through that, I will have been crucified with Christ so that as I walk this earth, I no longer live, but Christ will live in me. So the life that I live in this body for the next couple of years, I'll live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So if I'm not guilty in the future, I should live that way right now and it should shape this day. I mean, that's just where we're at, and I'm praying that's where we gather as a church. We've been walking around as image bearers, or at least talking about that and becoming that over the last weeks. And, and it's out of the third chapter of the book of Colossians, verses 12 through 17. I don't know how any pastor could get through this in less than 79 weeks. This is week 14 on our four-week series on this subject. And we're going to keep talking about it. So if you want to turn in your scripture um, to Colossians, the third chapter, verses 12 through 17, that would be absolutely fantastic. I am uh, super excited to have my nephew in town. His name is Daniel. He's my brother's son. He just popped through the door and is saying hey to us. I asked him if he wanted to preach today. He appears to be ready. 
but not moving right now. And so um, Daniel lives just up the road. Hey, Daniel suffers and lives in Hilton Head Island or Bluffton, South Carolina. I know. Don't you feel sorry for that guy? And so um, I love him. I'm so glad he's here. And uh, thanks for worshiping with us. And maybe next time. He doesn't actually preach for a living, so I'm just joking with him. Therefore, in verse 12, this is just such a a fun series that we've been in. It's God's chosen people. I mean, doesn't that just make you feel good? Were you ever on the playground and you were the last pick? That was me. I mean, I just, don't you like out the gate just going, I mean, I was was terrible at that sport. Nobody wanted me. But here I'm, I'm just reading that scripture out the gate like God chose me. And this is what's even better before you ever hit the playground or before you ever even thought of in your mother's womb. He chose you before the foundation of the world. I mean, this this is why it takes 79 weeks to get through this. I'm already stopping and I just don't know that we can go past. I mean, therefore, in this room, as the people who are gathered together, chosen by the living God, it just makes me smile. Praise you, Lord. And not only are we chosen, we're, we're made holy and we're dearly loved by that same God. He clothed us and He calls us to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I mean, in this room, because we're clothed with all that, we should bear with each other. And there should be forgiveness that goes on in this room and it happens and extrapolates outside of this room and into every relationship that we're in. So we should bear with each other. We should forgive one another. If we have grievance with one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's, that's a lot of freedom that comes with that. And over all these virtues, put on love, which will bind all us together in perfect unity. It's such a strong word for me as we start praying about church life and start talking about what it looks like to be a part of Mandarin Baptist, if you will, because you happen to be in this room, but recognizing that our friends next door, the Methodists, we love them as well. And our friends right up the street at Christ Church, we love them as well in celebration. They got it going on today. We're pretty excited about them. You know, we venture over to Orange Park across the street. I love David Tarkenton. We're in perfect unity. And it doesn't mean, oh, we can kind of stop with the walls of this room. If we're in broken relationships with people who make up the body of Christ, he's kind of not really thrilled with that because there's something about perfect unity among the body that really attracts people to, to, to discover this one who calls us not guilty anymore. And so it's, uh, if the Scripture says it this way, people who are on the outside will look on the inside of the church and they may move outside the church, inside the church, because they look from outside the church, inside the church, and they see this incredible love that's going on in there. And I just, I mean, just, here's what I want you to know is at stake as we think about this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So can we not sing about it for the last 20 minutes, but recognize that God is teaching us in the last 20 minutes through song and hymn and spiritual song about His Scripture and about unity because if we are not experiencing unity, the Gospel is not forfeited. It is just quenched and grieved among us. Because you can't forfeit the Gospel. We surely can quench and grieve it, but when we're when we're one and people are looking at it going, look, their lives just seem to be going nuts. I mean, these things are happening to them and yet there's a peace and humility and a grace and compassion and there's a love that is abounding among them. Folks just start going, wow, I want to end that. Because in this world, we're going to walk through it with more tribulation than we can handle. And yet I want to walk through it with a group of compassionate, 
humble, gentle, beautiful people who seem to have their eyes fixed on a greater price than what happens on this planet. So back to Scripture. I don't think I left Scripture. I just thought about it. And over all these virtues, put on love that binds us together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule here. Let it rule in your hearts. You're members of one body, right? You're called to peace. So in that peace, be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. And we're doing that. And we just have in, in all wisdom. And how? We're going to sing. It's going to be like Broadway in here. There's going to be psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that are going to go on all the time. And, and this is kind of a fulcrum verse that he repeats twice, again in verse, I think, 23. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we're going to pick up that verse in verse 23 next week with a series called The Gospel in Life. What will this look like in real life, in our marriages, relationships, parenting, friendships, work environment? I mean, that, this is where he goes with this. This actually matters. And so um, I just wanted to close this series. If you're a guest um, dropping in the room, you can podcast for the last 14 weeks. No kidding, as we've talked about these few verses. And I just want to kind of hit the highlights for a minute or two so us, those of us can come back and remember that. For instance, um, a big highlight of this, and I begin at the bottom and work my way up, the way people rest in his story, the way people just walk in this story of God is just realize that it's his story. This is story of the gospel and that people are walking about encouraging each other in perfect unity and the word of Christ is dwelling among us richly and we're walking around doing whatever we do in word or in deed for the glory of God because we're resting in his story. When, when Penny was reading this, I had another thought um, for this second, for this three minutes that I want to share right now. But when Penny was reading her scripture, it's such a scripture out of Ephesians 6 about the rest in his story. I don't know what your picture is when you read that that um, portion of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. You know, a minute ago, for those of guests, this was Penny, and she was reading Ephesians six, and she was reading about you know putting on the helmet, putting on the holding the sword, putting on the breastplate, shotting your feet, putting the belt on, all of this stuff. I don't know what your picture of that is, but it's always been profound for me to think of what it means to put on the armor of God. Um, I would go to um, films that you shouldn't watch, like Gladiator, you know, things like that. I look at that and I start to think, you know, we're really going to do something serious for the gospel. I mean, it's going to be powerful. And, you know, we're going to rally people and talk about Elysium or Heaven. And, you know, um, everybody lives, not everybody dies. I think I'm mixing up movies right now. Braveheart, Gladiator. I'm looking and kind of getting excited about these films and being oorah for the sake of the kingdom, right? And it confuses me. Some people, Kim, Kim Box wants to be with me on this, but hold on to where we're heading. Because it always throws me for a loop because you, sh- you shod your whole body and say, here we go. We're going to take big hills for the gospel. We're going to do big things for the gospel. It's going to be great for the gospel. And, and here's where he starts and finishes. And it always boggles my mind about resting in the story of God because he starts with this. Stand firm in the Lord. Like, do not move, do not flinch. Stand and rest your hearts in His presence. And oh, by the way, you should you should put on some things, some truth, 
and scripture and surround yourself with people and you should be passionate about this. You should put on righteousness and holiness and you should get ready. And at that moment, that's where I start singing. You're pulling out a sword going, here we go, church. Let's storm out of here. And we're all running. And that is the antithesis of what scripture says in that moment. It says, after you finish all this and you're ready to charge, stand again. Just stand in the middle of that and you should pray. And you should pray. And here's what I think he's saying, is I'm going to do something pretty substantial, but if you decide to charge yourself, you're going to do something pretty weak. But if you'll rest in my story and you will shod yourself with truth and righteousness and holiness and you will do that together, then you will be ready to go for what I'm going to be about. But it's not even that you have shod yourself or dressed yourself in that way. It is going to be my story from beginning to end, no matter what you put on. And so even when you finish and you draw the sword, you should stand still until I speak and then you go. That's such a powerful thing. For us as a church, because aren't we a group of people who so want to do something? And God is looking at us and saying, I actually, I did a lot of stuff in this world. I actually made it. You'll, you'll probably do something profound, but it won't be worthwhile apart from me. Because apart from me, your something will be nothing. But in me, when you rest in my story and you walk about with my word of truth moving in and through you, you'll do more than you can ask or imagine. That's the prayer of, of my heart as I pray that a big picture thing that we've been about for the last 14 weeks is that we abide is the scriptural term. That we rest in His story. And so, hey church, I'm asking you, let's stand firm in the Lord together. Let's put on the breastplate and the helmet. Let's put on the truth. Let's shod our feet. And let's stand together. And when God says, go, We are on. But when he says, rest in me, we are resting. And it's all his story. It's all for his glory. So I just, I put these notes in your notes. That's the big, first big story that we've been talking about for the last 14 weeks. Just kind of a a big deal. And a church that does that, just, the next thing I said is, a church that does that, it just breathes in his word. Like we really walk around going, look, you know, we're, we're a group of people of Colossians 3.15. I'm not leaving Scripture here at all. I'm just, if you have your Scripture open, just kind of follow that. Look, you should allow the Word of Christ to dwell here richly. As we admonish one another and we do that and we teach one another. I mean, isn't that such a privilege that we breathe in the Word of God and then breathing it in, it's a, it's a joint effort. It's a collaboration among us that you actually, look, look, you actually are are infused by God in this Scripture to teach and admonish the people sitting around you right now in perfect wisdom for the sake of the movement of the Gospel. In other words, hey, I know there's a guy up front who happens to be me right now talking. It's not his role solely. It is my role to open the Scripture and say, there's none but God, there's none but His Word. But when we walk out of here... We're like walking together saying, this word, it dwells here. It pitches a tent here. We move here. I mean, we're in this church and we actually believe that the Scripture of God is breathed by God and it's profitable for us. I mean, it's going to be super amazing. It's profitable to train us, to equip us. It's proper to call us out when we're off base. That's the word is reproof in Scripture. 
It's proper to prepare us for the right or the righteousness or the movement that God has for us. And so we're looking in this room going, God, we as a group corporately want to breathe in your word because we believe that your word is actually your breath. It is your life. And in breathing that out and oxygenating our lives with your truth, we will breathe out your word and it's going to be incredible. And we're going to, in breathing in you, breathing out you, we're going to teach one another. We're going to admonish one another. We're going to be passionate together. It's going to change the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's do that together. Wouldn't that be fun? Kim, you um, need to visit more often because you're just excited. And so... um, for those of you that don't know Kim Box, she's been a missionary to Africa. I don't know if you live in Orlando now or where you are, but um, she's visiting. She's a good friend of ours, and I keep calling on her because I think she's just amazing. And so I'm glad you're here, and I'll quit calling your name. So um, just just let just letting the word dwell here, and just teaching one another. I think the reason I call your name is you popped in our house several times, and if you don't know Kim. You should just take 10 minutes with her and you'll like Jesus even more. You know, just, but she's a little bit active. Like you've, you've got to, you, you, some of you say, Pastor Mark, you talk fast. No, I don't compared to Kim. <laughs> and I think it's when that happens, I just, I, I, I said some of these thoughts last week, but when the word of Christ is dwelling and we're breathing in that word, and we're breathing that out among one another and we're teaching. God uses us as the mortar in super crack places. I mean, He just uses us to bond. I just go back, Sebastian, to you and just, you know, what you and Mel, what you guys are doing among some people from Cuba who are trying to figure out life here. That's a cracked place. And God just says, because you're breathing in me, you're pouring out me. I mean, I think that a people who do that, Philippians would say it this way. A people who begin to breathe in the Word of God and allow it to become the very breath and essence of who we are, we gladly look at our lives and saying, if my life on this planet is but for a moment, if it is a drink offering, I will be glad and rejoice because I'm breathing in the Word. And what Paul is saying in Philippians, I believe that's the second chapter, I believe what he's saying in that moment is, if I've got but a flash in a pan, a drink offering historically, biblically would be uh, the most rapid offering, it would be a wonderful bottle or juice, a, a bottle of wine or juice that you would pour on and it would literally be a vapor to the Lord. And they're looking at the Lord and saying, God, we pray that this drink offering is for your glory and that it is a refreshing incense to you. And Paul is taking that to another step and saying, those of us who breathe in the word, we're just simply saying to one another, could our lives, could this church together just say, if we could pour it out before God, would you make us as a church a sweet drink offering before you if we have but a moment on this earth? And Scripture says that's all we've got. Could it just be a vapor of goodness for your glory? And as we make our way through, would you just breathe in, God, and say, I am so thankful for Mandarin Baptist. That could be our prayer. Just, God, we want to we pour it out for your glory. So in the cracked places of this earth, in the places that move our hearts, God, your name is being made known. And it's, you know, I said some of this last week, so just bear with me. I mean, that means that some of our folks in the cracked places of Jacksonville are going to go in where people are literally hungry and homeless. We just kind of go into those places because the word of Christ dwells here. And we just walk into those places as the mortar of Jesus Christ, just living the gospel in practical ways. And a lot of people are kind of going, Pastor, you're always going to talk about the needy. I will when we can stop 
when Matthew 25 comes off the table. Because what I read in Matthew 25 is this, a body of believers who are passionate for Jesus will move to the imprisoned, the hungry, the broken, the starving, the fatherless, and I will separate sheep from goats, not on that work that they did, but the evidence of my Spirit in them. And when my Spirit is in a people, it will move as a mortar among the hurting in the city. That will just be who we are. So we'll look at our Iraqi family who came here and we'll say, it doesn't matter if we drive you for 900 weeks in a row if we can drive you and get the gospel to you. It doesn't matter if we will feed you every week at the City Rescue Mission, which is a part of the DNA of our small groups, is to hit up these places on regular basis. It's just, just, we're doing it so that we can eat bread with you, so that we can also introduce you to the bread of life. I mean, it'll be super normal for our students who like five of them are going to Guatemala, I just caught their faces, are going to Guatemala in a few weeks. It's normal for our kids to say goodbye to America, hello to a third world country. We love Christ. And it's Christ is moving our hearts into places that need the mortar of the gospel of Christ among us. And it's kind of just... I don't know, I put down more thoughts, I have to read them. I just will more and more say, God, where do you want to use us? I mean, we have people in this church, just so we don't go up. I mean, we have people in this church who right now, I mean, literally, um, I sit I sit near them, and I'm looking to make sure I don't call out. I sit beside kids who are currently mother and fatherless, but no more, because this church exists. It's just beautiful. That's, that's what it looks like to have the Word of Christ to dwell among us richly. Right? It just happens and people are going, you know what? That's hard. Yes, it is. But the gospel is more glorious than a momentary sacrifice on our part. And so we just got to say, God, what does that look like for us to be able to live out this gospel? I mean, we have people in our church who are investing tremendous energy in the widow because James 1.27 says, if you love Jesus, you're going to love the orphan. And it also says, if you love Jesus, you're going to love the widow. I mean, I don't know... I don't know what you do with pure and undefiled religion is this. Your heart moves toward those who are most deeply hurting. And I think that's what's neat about here is God's moving in our hearts to move us into places where the gospel is so received and beautiful. And and I'm I'm wondering what that looks like for you. What is what is most important to the Lord? I was wrestled with this question. I don't know that. Um, I love looking at the face of Brent and thinking, I have theologians in the room, so forgive me if I might miss this. I'm going off of John 17 prayer. And this is where I would want you to wrestle right now. What is, if we're going to say the word of Christ is dwelling around us richly, what is most important to the Lord? And I think I can answer that in, in this way. Jesus prayed both at the cross or really in Gethsemane, and he prayed prior to that in the 17th chapter of John, that God the Father would be glorified. And I think I can say this, and I can even take on anyone that would say, Mark, I think you're off. I would say, I might be off, but if I am, it's just a nudge. The glory of God and the name of God is what is most important to Him. And us living out and fleshing that out in tangible, express ways. When Jesus prays this, this is where I get the idea, so it's not my idea, it's Jesus in John 17. Father, be glorified in me as I am in you. 
And then he turns and starts to pray, and he prays for the first level, the people he's walking with. And oh, by the way, God, if you would move your glory among them and let your name be made known among them and let them walk this earth for your glory. So this is my point. If we're going to say to God, we want the word of Christ to dwell here, we should probably look at what Jesus prayed about the word of Christ dwelling. He prayed that the word of Christ would dwell among them so richly and deeply that they would walk about the earth saying, there is no glory on this planet. I want more than your glory. There is nothing that I want on this planet more than God. You, if you will dwell here, you are after your glory. John 17, glorify your son so that he may glorify you. Carry on. Jesus said, I glorified you on this earth by accomplishing the work that you had for me. So here's what I'm thinking is tying these two together. A group that is armoring up in Christ, standing and waiting. God's going to have some things for us. And His glory is made manifest when we move forward in what He has for us and we accomplish the work that He has for us. When Jesus prayed at the point of death, He said, God, not Your will, not my will, but Yours. Not my glory, but Yours. Father, this is what I want most. What if, and this is, this is kind of my thematic question. What if, what, what if, what if? And I want, I want you to answer this today. This is not an easy answer. I've been answering this for like three weeks now. What if we as a church, let me read it because I'm going to mess it up right now. It's not popping up. What if, this is that easy. What if we as a church wanted what God wants most? His glory. What if we just said to one another and we live this way with Him dwelling among us, there's nothing that could happen among us that would be more joy-filled, more moving, more eternal, and more purpose-filled than that the glory of Christ is manifest among us at every single moment as we walk this earth. That's what Jesus prayed for us. I mean, it's what He prayed for His church. He said, look, I, I mean, let me just wrestle with that. If that happened, this was this is my third thought, we'll strain toward the eternal. That we've been on that for weeks, and so this shouldn't be news for you. But if we say, we want, God, what you seem to want most, and I am welcome to be mildly wrong in this, so don't take it, the pastor just told us what God wants the most. I'm not that smart. I just read Jesus' prayer and I say, this seems to be important to you, so as a church, this is going to be very important to us. We want your glory. We want in our, and this is where it's going to be fun, we want in our relationships, our dating life, our married life, our work life. I mean, this isn't like some God's glory out there. You know, this isn't some nebulous thing. He's just saying, so, I wonder how I'm glorified in your current parenting style. Or if I kind of jump, jumped into your everyday existence, I wonder how I'm glorified. If I looked at how you expressed yourself with the resources I'm giving you, I wonder if my glory on this earth is reflected of what you're about. This isn't vague and mysterious, God's glory, I don't know how to do that. No, no. I wonder if in your marriage relationship, my glory is defined. It's just clear. It's, that's what he's praying for us. And we'll strain, we'll strain for the eternal. Here's what Jesus says they, in verses chapter 17 of John 16 and 18. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. As you sent me into the world, send them into the world. What a powerful calling. God, he says, go, Father, glorify yourself through them. Glorify yourself through them. Here's what he's praying for our church. Listen, listen. Father, 
glorify yourself through this church. Isn't that awesome? I mean, he's praying this as the church is about to form up, and Jesus is just saying, I want your glory. It's it's about eternity. It's about the future. I pulled this out again. Um, I think it might have gotten a little bit jambled up, but I pulled this out again just to remind you what it looks like to strain toward the eternal. This illustration has parked with me for the last weeks. You know, if, if symbolically you could see your life, your life is the red part. This is eternity. And not if this is true, because this is true, can you fathom just kind of saying, look, I am 48 right now, and I'm going to have the best year ever. Like seriously? I mean, it's going to shape our lives. We're going to stray to eternal. We're going, I mean, I love this. I'm, I won't do, we've already done this before, so I won't be too long. I've got to do this while I'm young. So I might miss something. Or I'm going to spend all of this time so I can be super comfortable right here. I'm just, I don't know how that compels you, but I'm just kind of under compulsion to say, this is what I got, and then to go with the choir piece today, I'm going to stand before a judge. And he's going to look at me and say, so, what did you do on this planet for that 2.3 seconds compared to the 200 years you're going to spend? Actually, that's a terrible story. What did you do for this little mist because you knew this counted? I mean, when the people are sitting around going, we're going to live on this earth, don't you think this would mess up a church? I mean, we wouldn't argue at all because we're just sitting around going, are you serious? We've got 14 million years and that won't even be the start. So the little thing I'm upset with you about, it is so irrelevant right now because I'm thinking 14,227,000 years from now when we're hugging each other again. You know, I mean, we're just looking at this going, whoa, what happened? This is awesome. This is, so I'm going to live this in light of this. And we're going to strain toward the eternal as a church. And it's, it's going to be like, it's going to be what Jesus prayed when we do that. My glory on this earth as opposed to, as opposed to this story. Like, seriously? How could we think about this story anymore? So I don't know where to put this other than that'll help you, help you think about it. And I, I'll end. We just, I'll wrap this up and I just put the last thought um, is this that we live and move and be as one. We really part there. The scripture taught us in Colossians that there will be a humbleness here, you know? There will be a gentleness among us. That that we'll have compassion. We will not hear this, hear this. Because the next verse, hear this, please hear this. We will offend one another. But the scripture doesn't say, oh, by the way, when the church gets together and they're all thinking about eternity, everybody, we're a bunch of weirdos, y'all. We're going to like not get along stuff. Here's what it says. It says, after you offend, you'll forgive each other as the Lord forgave you. That that just will be a huge priority among the church. That, that this won't be easy but it will be worthy that the gospel will move in spirit and in power among the people who are just saying, God, this is it. I love John 17. Basically, he just says, hey, by the way, um, it's your turn now. You're up. Those men are gone that I prayed for. 
And he then turns to prayer and starts to pray the same thing for the church of today. It's your turn. They lived, they shared, they told, they breathed in the very essence of the word. It's your turn now. And about a hundred years from now, not one of us are going to be sitting in this room. And so we're going to continue to pass the torch of a Christ-centered joy and zeal and passion among us. I was, uh, and it's, it's our turn. And we find common ground in this spot to say, God, we want to gather as one around your word in humility with forgiveness pervasive. I was uh, praying over Cynthia last week and it was such a beautiful moment. We gathered as a family and I, I won't tell Cynthia stories every week so this will be the last one for a while. But um, as, as we gathered as a family, I, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're the pastor. To send your child to a third world country is still hard. That's just an FYI. And so um, this is the verse that struck me. And this is what I prayed over. If Christ has not been resurrected, then we should all eat, drink, and be merry. But if Christ has been raised from the dead, He has called us into His redemptive, mortar-pouring, impassioned gospel story to live as a people who believe, live, move, and have our being. Because we are one in Him. And I believe, not just because I preach and I'm supposed to, I believe intellectually, historically, pragmatically. In fact, it is how I came to know the Lord through an apologetical defense of the resurrection. I believe with all of my heart that Christ has been resurrected from the dead. And that truth shapes our church. I end with this question then. What if we want, as a church, what God seems to want most? His glory. His name. Let's pray on that one. Father, I pray that you would move among hearts and stir among us in just profound ways. God, I pray that you would draw us to what is most near to your heart. And that's what's so... Um, I mean, I think, Father, we can read in Scripture and find some things that are dear to you in a biblical way. And yet also, there are times and people that we are currently surrounded by that you are moving toward. And Jesus, I pray that our hearts and lives will hear your voice. Move as one with you. Jesus, I don't know how to pray any more fully for Mandarin than this, that we will desire your glory and your name more than anything else as we traverse this planet. I pray that you will bring unity around that. You will bring a true hope around you and that you will bond us together in perfect peace and perfect unity for the sake of your kingdom. God, I pray that extraordinary things will happen out of this church because we're a people who hear your voice and heed it. We've already given our yes. For God, across the board, I think we all kind of clapped on this when we're, we believe you're raised from the dead and that changes everything. And so Jesus, we love you, we sing to you, we worship you. Right now, we have a chance to respond to you. And so I just pray we'll do that 
in obedience, in wonder, in awe. And it's for the sake of the gospel that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord.